Welcome to SkyCast episode 26, a podcast dedicated to all things The 100. I'm Brittany Perlman. And I'm Sarah McCabe. And today we'll be discussing season 5, episode 12, Damocles part 1. So here we are. Here we are, end of the season. Part 1 of the finale. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this episode? This is a leading <laughs> question. It always is a leading question. You always know. I, already, <laughs> I always know, but that guy, I feel like I really know. Well... So you and I didn't get to watch it until the next day because we couldn't find um, anywhere to watch it that night. And so we were like slightly spoiled, but I was I was spoiled, especially in the fact that people online were not pleased with this episode. Um, There was a lot of bad uh, opinions about it or or like there were a lot of opinions that it was bad, I should say. Um, And so I kind of went into it not knowing what to expect, but I loved it for the most part. I thought this was an excellent episode. I have like, I have some complaints as I always do, but like as an episode, I highly enjoyed it. Yeah. I feel like as like looking at it in a vacuum, I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at it, it, how it interplays with the rest of the season. I think a lot of things could have been done differently this season, but I feel like this was a really strong episode itself. Um, And yeah, it's not perfect. There are things to talk about, but overall, very very happy with this episode yeah and I mean the, the question for me right now is do the ends justify the means like does having a really good finale like we haven't seen part two but I'm assuming it'll probably be good yeah does having a good finale justify the poor character work leading up to it no it's an excellent question and it's very um on brand for the themes yes in this I know <laughs> <laughs> I I never feel like you can do a something successfully without the character work underneath Mm -hmm. um you need that as a foundation and as a basis for a solid healthy show and so no I don't think so I I'm happy that we got a good episode here at the end I'm glad that they wrapped or tied it up in a way that is satisfying I mean it's not over yet but like you said it's part one of a of a Mm two-part episode um but no I I am disappointed I think with the lack of character work this season yeah for um, a lot of characters so s- the ends never justify the means is well what we've learned here i do think the ends might sometimes justify the means it just depends on what the ends are and what the means are it's everything is subjective but in this specific instance <laughs> for me while i really like where we're heading the end of the season i i wish that there had been more developments in the middle of the season that I felt fulfilled by. Yeah, agreed. So before we get started, I just wanted to jump in and remind you guys um, to go onto iTunes and rate and review us. As always, it really helps other fans of The 100 find us and we can talk about, you know, all of the ways in which we love The 100. So please go and rate and review us. Thank you. Yes. And with that, we will jump right into the recap. Okay. One crew is trying to sneak into Eden, with Echo and the rest of Space Crew creating a distraction in another part of the valley. But Echo soon realizes McCreary's men are no longer shooting at them, and that something is wrong. In the mountain pass, one crew thinks they have a clear shot into the valley, but suddenly McCreary's men ambush them. It's a massacre. So this is the same gorge pass that was used in uh, for Season 4, Episode 5, The Tinderbox. Yeah. It was very noticeable and very yeah, distracting. Yeah, it was like immediately. No- In fact, when I saw it at first, I got like a little bit confused because yeah. I was like, "I've like where have I seen this?" And then like it clicked, like, "Oh, we've actually had a standoff in this pass before." We have. Um, 
And while I understand there are, like, limits to what you can do when you're shooting on location somewhere. Yeah. Like, maybe just, like, choose, like, a less noticeable Especially because that gorge that they were um, in in season four is gone now. It's been demolished. Like, this isn't part of that same gorge, I don't think. Also, the camera angles that they were using to shoot this were almost identical to the cam... Um, camera angles in season four episode five so like there were there were shots in this like later on that felt like a very different location even though we know it's the same because it was like on the ground and lower and like like very close handheld camera work Mm -hmm. but these like sweeping like high angled shots were so identical that it was very jarring and disorienting so just gonna call that out really quickly agreed um also wanted to talk about um how despite the fact that they're both at odds right now Indra and Octavia are so in sync when it comes to battle um it's just very clear that Indra trained her and I love that kind of continuity and also that you know despite all of the bullshit that's happening right now they they are they still know each other and can communicate almost telepathically at this point like so well yeah they're able to put everything aside and just focus on the battle both of them um which i think is great i really did love indra talking to bellamy and and, you know respecting him for trying his best to stop this war i think it calls back to that line she said a couple of episodes ago about how real warriors hate war Mm -hmm. um and i think that just kind of goes to show in her mind that bellamy is a real warrior who's you know didn't want this to happen but now that it's happening has chosen to like step up and fight yeah yeah, I, I, I really do like what they've done with Bellamy and, and Indra this season. And it was very needed. It was. Because last season it was almost a little odd that she was, you know, kind of fine with him. It right. like wasn't great, but... No, but I think, you know, for all the talk we, that we just had about the lack of character work, I do think, you know, credit where credit is due. They mm-hmm. did a great job with these two. I agree. Um, I just wanted to bring up Raven and her I don't run moment oh, because so great. that was such a Raven line. It was. It was <laughs> such a Raven line. Just, I don't run. <laughs> um, also, Murphy and his Scarface quote. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. And then immediately after, he's like, oh, she's got a kick. <laughs> it was so great. Also, I have like this like headcanon that Murphy just sat up in space for six years watching every movie available to them in cinematic history like i feel like he is like a walking encyclopedia of like movie knowledge yeah that's why he's so quippy darling (laughs) um i I lastly wanted to bring up ethan and ethan's existence (laughs) yeah uh so we see octavia here in the scene with ethan next to her and she says that jaha would be proud of you and then ethan is like immediately shot and killed and it's like so he's been in three episodes this season and he's been completely useless in every single episode. Like, as a character, I mean. Yeah, no, they haven't given him anything substantial to do. I guess the only real thing he had to do was just be something that Jaha loved and wanted to keep safe. Right. Um, but, but that was, like, more of a Jaha thing, not an Ethan thing. And that was also a moot point as soon as Jaha dies. I mean, like, yeah. he needs to prove functional and useful in the season beyond just what he means to Jaha and we thought that was going to come through with Octavia but as you said I mean they have done no work 
to make this an impactful moment. Yeah, I, I feel like they lost a really big opportunity this season to give um, more parallels to Clark and Octavia with, you know, Octavia and Ethan and Clark and Maddie. I feel like there could have been some really great material that we got if Octavia looked at Ethan as more than just like some kid soldier, but like as someone that she truly cared about. Mm-hmm. Um but unfortunately, they chose not to go with that path, and Ethan is now dead, and I guess that's the end. Yeah, and it doesn't <laughs> feel like anything. No, I mean, it was just, it's yeah. like a red shirt almost. In fact, he's so inconsequential that they had to make her name him. Like, we wouldn't have even known who he was yeah. if she was didn't say Ethan. Like, they actually, like, the writing itself, like, merits the idea that they didn't do enough work to differentiate him from everyone else. Mm-hmm. We hear the sounds of the massacre over the radio, and McCreary taunts Kane that he thought that was what he wanted. Kane tells McCreary that there are members of one crew out there that they still need, but McCreary said Dioza has written down everything they need to survive, courtesy of Allegius III. McCreary tells Dioza that the only reason she's still alive is because she's carrying his child, and then he forces Kane to listen to the ambush over the radio, given that he's responsible for it. Seriously, Kane? seriously like you chose this guy over octavia i just like it i mean the curse your sudden and inevitable betrayal kind of thing really works for you <laughs> it's just like what the hell i i i'm shocked that he really thought mccreary would let them live i can't believe that he was naive enough to think that he would let them surrender i can't believe that dioza was naive enough i don't think she was I just don't think she cares about Sky Crew or One Crew in the way that Kane does. I'm not saying that she cares about One Crew. I'm just saying it, I'm still confused about why she made the choice to go with McCreary when One Crew could have won. Um, and I know there was like the Octavia issue to deal with, but th- now there's the McCreary issue to deal with. Like, I think it's, yeah. you know, one or the other, frying pan fire. Which one do you choose? But I feel like McCreary is, is the worst choice. I agree. I don't understand why they have such a hard time. And I agree. Like, just thinking about Dioza, um, does she not also feel like those people out there who are engineers and doctors and whatnot are necessary? Right. That's why she literally tells him, Kane is right. We need those people. Which brings me into my next theory uh, or my question. Um, so Alicia's three is again brought up. Mm-hmm. And, and this, we get a little bit more concrete info in the sense that it seems like Dioza has a plan that very much involves Allegius Three or information from Allegius Three um, as to how to survive. Mm-hmm. I am very unsure at this point what that means. I think it can go two ways. You know, my first thought is obviously like, oh, she knows Allegius Three found another planet. Let's go there. Yeah. Which, of course, is my preference. Your because- favorite. You know, I love me a good n- another planet. <laughs> but Space. but the other one is uh, McCreary specifically tells her that we have everything we need right here. It's all written down in your notebook. So I don't know if he means like we have everything we need to survive already on the ship, on this planet, or just like as information. Um, yeah. I think it can go many different ways. So I'm trying to figure out what that could mean. It could just mean that Allegius 3, you know, has really good um, terraforming. Um, or they, like, discovered some way to terraform really quickly. Maybe. And so they're able. They're going to be able, our heroes, to go into cryosleep for, like, 100 years and, like, re-terraform the entire Earth. And then they wake up and it's, like, a new Earth. Like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. That's a cool theory. I love that. Um, but, yeah, overall, I'm just, I'm very excited to see what Dioza's final plans were. Yeah. Agreed. 
Um, I also just wanted to bring up very quickly, there is still sexual tension between McCreary and Dioza, and it's, like, palpable. It was, like, <laughs> off the charts sexy in this scene. It's, like, a sick kind of sexy? It's, like, a twisted no, kind it, of sexy? It's like, it's, like, it's, like, dirty. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel good, but it's, like, still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, a little bit of, like, buffy mm-hmm. s- sexual tension with the, help me. Spike. Spike. Oh, it's like early. Yeah. Oh, early Buffy. Season six. Early Buffy and Spike <laughs> happening here. And then also just McCreary telling Kane, like, she's good about Dioza. Like, she is so good. Yeah. She's great. She is great. Um, I also just wanted to add here at the end, too. I am really glad that McCreary forces Kane to listen to what Kane has done because I think Kane needs to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked this. It forces him to literally face the music. Yeah. So moving on, in the med clinic, Maddie is still furious that Clark has forced her to be here. Abby is finishing up curing McCreary's men, and Clark has to ask Abby if her overdose was an accident, but Abby isn't sure. Suddenly, Clark realizes that Maddie is gone. Abby says she'll just run out again if Clark brings her back, but Clark doesn't want or doesn't know what to do. So Abby reminds her of the horrible things that Abby has done to keep Clark safe, and basically Clark needs to do whatever it takes to do the same for Maddie. Um, so we got this scene, it was like an early preview that they released the day before the episode, and I immediately loved this scene. You know, we haven't had enough interaction between Clark and Abby this season, um, and this scene brought up so many great parallels, you know, with both Clark and Abby, and then now Clark's relationship with Maddie. Um, Clark and Abby used to have a pretty rough relationship, I think, um, and now we're getting that same thing with Clark and Maddie for the same reasons, mm-hmm. um, and I just love that, you know, Clark has gotten to be now on both sides, and I think she can understand her mother much more now um, than she could before. Yeah, she used to... For better or worse. <laughs> deeply resent Abby for yeah. making these kinds of, uh, you know... Tough, choices tough on choices. her behalf yeah. right and and choices that Clark didn't agree with mm-hmm. like morally did not agree with um and now she's doing exactly the same thing for her own child so it is a really interesting reversal um and I really liked it yeah we all turn into our parents you know we do <laughs> we really some of us sooner than others like I am my mom um also wanted to call out Clark's refusal to acknowledge Maddie's opinion again in this scene is is getting beyond infuriating it's it's to the point now where it's like it's like a reflex reaction for her like she just can't help herself anymore and it's it's very hard to watch yeah the line we made our choice um was particularly grating because we did not make our choice. Clark made the choice for them, but that is not a we. That yeah. was, I made the choice for us. <laughs> it's her usage of pronouns that yeah. really pisses me off. And I think it pisses Maddie off, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maddie is is right. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, Eliza Taylor really brings it in this scene. I thought, you know, when she when she's talking to Abby and she's asking her if it was a suicide and her voice cracks just a little. It's like her vulnerability is coming out because she's mm-hmm. like now the, the child again, kind of. Um, so I really like that kind of nuance in Eliza's performance. I thought it was great. And I also loved Abby's honest answer that she doesn't know if it was on purpose or not. I think that's really valid. And I, I was, you know, when they were leading up to this moment in this scene, I was wondering myself, like, was it an accident? I guess it, I just kind was of... Was it on purpose? I assumed it wasn't an accident. But I, I like, they were going to explore it. I like that Abby doesn't know herself. I yeah. think that's very real and very true. It feels honest. Um, and and again, it leaves it up for the audience to interpret it as they will. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be different for everyone depending on their experience. 
so I really liked it overall I felt I felt like I loved this scene I felt like it was a great scene I just I disagree with the sentiment about whatever it takes (laughs) (laughs) like very much so well yeah (laughs) um but I'm not a parent so you know maybe that will change when I have children I would have to hope not I would have to hope that whatever it takes sometimes is just going too far um but we'll keep discussing that as yeah. this episode progresses because yeah especially in the next scene exactly. <laughs> um so let's get that uh, Maddie is trying to start the rover but Clark appears Clark took out the conductor so the rover won't go Maddie says she'll walk but instead Clark tries to take out the flame only to discover that Maddie changed the passphrase. Maddie says she needs to do this, and Clark nods and hugs her, then slaps a shock collar on her neck. And when Maddie tries to leave anyway, Clark shocks her. Like mother, like daughter, man. Clark took away the conductor. Maddie changed the passcode. That was a very sweet moment. I mean, Maddie changing the passcode was bam. It I was loved great. It. I just love because Clark is like so so smirky she's like you're gonna need this to drive away and then maddie's like you're gonna need a password to get into my head because i already thought of it like they are so like each other like mm-hmm. maddie has picked up on so many of clark we all turn into our parents clarkisms <laughs> like it's crazy yeah. how similar they are in some ways um but let's get into the meat yeah. of this scene which is that clark shot collars her daughter to keep her here um so first off, just like from a physical sense, this was really worrying because Maddie's a very small girl and these shot collars are made for adults. Men, so, usually. I mean, men, but like also women in the show, but like just an adult, a fully grown adult yeah. human. Um, and it just seems like this was a very dangerous thing to do. I think it could have easily gone poorly. I mean, it, it was already poor. But I mean, the thing is, like, we see that the shot collar is fatal. Like, we see it yeah. kill someone in this In the episode. same episode, yeah. Right. It's not like, you know, you can say there's, like, a safety on it or – there isn't. And, like, how does – it just could have easily turned in – she could have killed her. Yeah. And I feel like this was too far. I couldn't watch this. It was way too far. I know there was a lot of comments online criticizing this moment for good reason. I don't disagree with anyone that this was too far. Um but it was a conscious choice on the writer's part. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the writers are saying this is necessarily a good thing. I don't I think, think they're condoning it. They, I, I, I tried really hard to like get in Clark's mindset and do like you know whatever it takes for your child, and I can definitely understand that to a point. But I do think there comes a time when you know, loving something so much, you end up being the one to hurt it. Right. And that's what Clark is, that she is now the one who is danger to her child. Right. I mean, putting aside all of the other things that Maddie's going to go through and like assuming that she lives, she's going to have to deal with the trauma of her mother electrifying her for the rest of her life. Like that is not something that you can just wash away with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That's scarring um, and traumatizing. And that is deeply hurtful yeah um emotionally emotionally <laughs> yeah. and physically deeply hurtful so it's like when you love something so much that you're squeezed to death yeah that's like exactly what's going on here absolutely I mean this this episode specifically really tested my ab- ability to empathize with Clark which I kind of thought you know I always would be able to um yeah but she's making it really difficult she's though. making it really difficult and I think, you know, she's also losing it in a different way that Octavia has, has lost it in certain scenes. Right. And we, we kind of talk about like addiction in a broad sense. So, you know, Abby is addicted to the drugs. 
Octavia is addicted to power. Clark is addicted to Maddie. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of, you know, loving something or a substance or a person so so deeply that it's harmful for yourself. Or needing it. Needing it Mm -hmm. badly. So one crew has been slaughtered. Bellamy and Octavia lay on the ground playing dead and wait until dark so they don't get shot. Octavia, again, blames Bellamy for everything. But Bellamy says this is her fault. Her people who fled won't follow her again. Instead, they need to surrender. But at this, three of one crew get up and try to surrender and are shot down. So that plans out. <laughs> I thought I was going to lose it when Octavia blamed Bellamy again. Oh my god, me too. I was, I was like, gonna walk out (laughs) i can't do it anymore like i can't deal with it anymore but what was particularly infuriating too is when she said oh like this is all your fault bellamy just like brushed it aside like we can't deal with this right now but like what i wanted to happen is for him to like very forcefully be like no it's not stop blaming me for your own flaws right stop projecting and just take Responsibility. responsibility for yourself and your actions and the consequences especially since i spent the entire march here telling you how this was all of your fault i mean he did later on in this discussion say like this isn't my fault this is your fault but it was said very calmly and i just like i don't know how he keeps his calm and his cool because i, know, I lose it i she would says have that. slapped her <laughs> i don't know how he deals with it i just don't i don't and i also just think some of these one group people are really dumb. Like, how many people have to get shot down before you stop moving? Stay down. I mean, like... That one one who stood up first, she was, like, the test subject. You're okay, lady. I get it. But everyone Everyone else, after that, you know, Darwinism. Well, I guess the people who tried to surrender, too, because that had initially been the plan. Like, if they surrender... No, yet. But there was, like, a couple people There were a couple who... Yeah. They're just dumb. They shouldn't eat, procreate. So we've gotten rid of them. They're, they don't need to add to the gene pool anymore. They're really stupid. Miller is brought back to the one crew camp. He's hurt and there aren't any supplies left to help him. Miller wants to go back and get their people, but Brell and the religious sect refuse. The whole camp ends up at each other's throats. Monty hears Echo over the radio, and Monty tells her that Bellamy is still out in the gorge and that one crew won't go back and rescue them. Echo says they'll figure something out. I loved the editing they used in this scene. It was a handheld camera. It was right down in the thick of it. It felt like being in like a World War II drama. It was chaotic and crazy and there was blood and dirt everywhere. And it just was really evocative of like a war scene. Mm -hmm. And it was great shooting. I completely agree. I thought the scene was wonderful. Um, I did want to bring up, and I don't want to beat a dead horse at this point, but again, I wish that I understood more where Miller how how Miller became this person um because again he's so loyal to Octavia and so um willing to like rush back into battle which doesn't necessarily feel like the Miller we used to know like he was um pretty calculating like he was brave but he wasn't like stupid he wasn't like the Gryffindor Gryffindor where it's like no matter the danger I'm gonna right. rush no, in you he know a Slytherin. so I, I still am just, I, I wish, this is what I'm saying with the character development, is they can't just skip six years and then only show us how, like, two characters changed. Like, sure, maybe we could extrapolate, but that's not good storytelling for us to have to, like, make up an entire backstory for a character just to make them fit into this new person. Right. That's the writer's job, is to yeah. show us. And they are only telling us, and it's not okay. Um, second, just a quick question. So did Nyla train as like a doctor or, or a nurse? Because that would make more sense why she was kind of around 
earlier this season when Octavia was passed yeah, out. I thought the same thing. So let's go with that. It seems here that she's like yeah, very let's, involved. Let's headcanon that Jackson's been training her. Okay. I like that for her too. I, I think like that, that, that too. suits her. I think that makes way more sense and would also explain why she was by Octavia's bedside other than the obvious is that she's in love with her. Which I still say Which she's I in still love with think her, is true. But I don't know where we're going to get that. I would like a dual <laughs> functionality in that scene. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That would be nice. Also love that Monty is just like done with all this bullshit. Oh yeah. He's, he's just been done. Done. He's like, he's like the dad. He's like, <laughs> all right, enough. I'm done with this. <sighs> um, one other thing I wanted to bring up is Zeke is really loyal to Dioza. Like he gets his hackles raised when Raven accuses her of, of betraying them, which she did. Um, that's true. And I just don't know if we have enough, like you're saying, like enough background context for why he is so loyal to Dioza. Mm -hmm. Like he gave us like that little bit about her caring for the people and like all of this stuff. But it just feels a little bit of a leap to me that he would get so defensive of her. Yeah, I agree. It is a leap. I do think, though, that Dioza has kept him safe in a lot of ways um, in the last hundred years <laughs> yeah. um so maybe that's where some of that comes in is that you know yes he turned on his people but dios has been the one who's like kept him alive because other members of the crew aren't as fond of him <laughs> yeah no i think that's true it's it's a tiny nit to pick but i think is still part of this like larger issue we have yeah. about lack of character development so, i like, agree and it's on its own it's not a big deal but like part of this like pattern it like kind of sticks out to me mm-hmm um, I also like to see Murphy realizing that Kane betrayed them just because I think it hurts more. Like, of course, like Dio's is going to do what Dio's is going to do. She's a slippery little eel. Um, but Kane, you know, someone who's been with them since the beginning and who's been with them through so much. Um, I mean, they obviously haven't seen how he's changed the last six years, but he's still kind of part of their like people, um, like their overall, you know, people. Yeah. Um, so just like him being like, oh, God, Kane like went against us for McCreary and McCreary's people, I think has got to really hit hard. It does. It's a it's a deeper betrayal than mm -hmm. Dioza's by a lot. Um, and then another like really tiny nit to pick. But Echo tells Monty like radio silence until we figure out what we're going to do. And then Monty turns off the radio, which yeah. is not what radio silence means. No, it just means don't it just means don't communicate. Yeah. And like you can't. How can she like tell you what the plan is if the radio is off? Wait, what if something changes and she needs to talk to you? It was very weird. <laughs> but again, tiny thing. Moving on. Murphy wonders if they can take control of the missile ship, but Raven doesn't want to basically deliver Zeke to McCreary. Echo knows the best option is to get one crew through the gorge, but for that, they're going to need a leader, and luckily, Echo knows just where to find one. So, first off, I'm a little confused by this plan. <laughs> if they don't want to go to the missile ship because they're afraid of Zeke getting captured because he's the only pilot, then why are they okay with walk frog walking him into the front door in the enemy territory i have no idea i mean like it doesn't make any sense and i agree that it doesn't make any sense um the only thing i can possibly think of well i have two things so maybe they expected mccreary and his people to be like on the communication like on the bridge basically communicating with whatever is happening in the gorge um and then also maybe they thought they needed zeke to 
I don't know, like give intel on their way there. Like if they met different soldiers. That and like is what, a really generous. It is. A, I know. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm really reaching, but it's I, a stretch. I agree. It was, it was stupid. It <laughs> that was, was the dumbest. Play. I was like, wow. And I think it wouldn't have been as dumb if they hadn't just been like, no, we no. can't march him to the missile ship. Right. And then they're like, we'll just march you into enemy territory yeah. instead. I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but I did like seeing Zeke side with Murphy here. It was like he was already part of the team and he gets in a boat. Oh, yeah. He's a delinquent. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. I also liked, you know, when Bellamy is in danger, Echo goes into this like super soldier mode. She's like very serious, very focused, like nothing is going to get past her at this point in time. Like she's just like, let's do the plan, make it happen, save Bellamy. Yeah, she's she is like full on spy mode. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, also just wanted to call out again. They, there are 300 people. Um, in the balance here in danger again again 300 people I don't know if this is annoying to me or cute to me I can't <laughs> decide <laughs> I think it's cute it's a fun little callback it's cute <laughs> I'll go with cute we start with 300 people in danger in the beginning and then we end with 300 people most of them dead every every <laughs> oh wait no I guess there's 300 left yeah there's 300 left okay yeah. Uh, it's night in the gorge, and there's a spotlight searching the ground. Bellamy and Octavia have to escape while avoiding being seen by the lights. They find Indra and Gaia buried under a pile of bodies, and they have to stop Gaia bleeding, so they take cover behind a bunch of rocks. Gaia asks Octavia why she's helping her, and Octavia says that right now she's one crew. But Bellamy realizes Octavia's other motivation, that she thinks Gaia will be able to tell her followers of the flame to follow her through the gorge. And of course, as Octavia says, if they don't, everybody dies. It was really interesting to me that at this point, both Indra and Octavia still believe one crew will come back for them. Like, I would expect that from Octavia, um, who lives in denial, <laughs> and... That seems normal for her mm -hmm. and in character, but it seems completely or at least un unbelievable to me that Indra would still think one crew is coming back. Yeah, especially. Yeah, definitely Indra. Indra. Um, yeah. But I guess maybe that still shows that the bonds of one crew aren't totally broken. Like they really do think that they're still one people and. Maybe they wouldn't come back for Octavia right now, but like there's, it's not just Octavia, like a bunch of their people are still alive. See, I disagree with that because at the end of this episode, like Indra full on agrees that Octavia broke it. It's broken. So maybe, maybe this is like Indra's kind of coming to realize that when no one comes to get them this episode. Yeah. Okay. But I still think it's weird that she thinks they're coming back. I, I agree. I think that's naive. Yeah. But... I, uh, I really did love seeing the mother-daughter bond here and Indra, you know, refusing to leave Gaia behind. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really sweet. And, you know, everything that we get between Indra and Gaia this season, I, I've really liked. Um, yeah. I think this really just kind of culminates to, you know, where they've been heading this season, how, they, how they've been growing together again mm -hmm. instead of apart like they did previously. Yeah, I really like it. And I love, I love these kind of, like, echoes of maternal instincts that we see all over the place in this mm -hmm. episode it's just it's a really really nice kind of like nuanced um interpretation of motherhood and i it's great yeah i wanted to bring up the question since bellamy <laughs> said this do we think octavia cares about guy's life or is she really just wanting to convince to have Gaia to like convince her people to to fight what do you think i don't think they're mutually exclusive i think it's both do you think but which one do you think is, like, winning in Octavia's mind? I actually think the that she wants to save Gaia's life. I do, too. First. It, it felt like a... It felt like she needed to find a reason mm -hmm. to, like, excuse her, her compassion. 
she was like, oh, right, I'm Blood Reina. I must come up with, and then, you know, she filled in the blanks for herself. But, well, Bellamy's the one who was really, like, yeah. right. Bellamy filled in the blanks. I think, I think her compassion is winning. I, I hope so. Yeah. I have to hope because if I think if it was the other, there's not as much hope for Octavia, um, even seeing what we see this episode. Yeah, I liked, I like the idea of this sort of being like the first step towards what, en- what ends up ultimately being her decision at mm-hmm. the end of the episode. I like this kind of being like the first chink in her armor. Yeah, I agree. Kane comes to talk to Abby in the clinic, and Abby tells him that she's clean now. Kane says the McCreary won't accept one crew's surrender. They're all going to die, and it's because of Kane. Kane is so tired of choosing the least bad option, and Abby says that he once told her that they have to first survive, and then they get their humanity back. But Kane wishes he still believed that. Abby believes they'll get there, and she empties out her last pill. Outside, we see Vincent watching them. <laughs> uh, so first off, I know we're picking a lot of nits this uh, episode, but, and I know that I, I know that I, you know, have really ranted on Kane lately, but I have to say, Kane saying to Abby that he wants to find Clark and thank her for taking care of Abby when he couldn't is infuriating to me. It is like, infuriating. If to anyone me as well. has a claim to take care of Abby, it's Clark. It's not Kane. Yeah, it has, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Kane. She did not do it for you, Kane. She did it because it's her mother. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And I know again, that's like a stupid thing to be annoyed about. But no, but I, I and we'll get into this a lot later. Um, but I think the show is really trying very hard to make Kane this sort of condescending super ego driven character right now um and he gets served later yeah like this is oh, yeah. really really intentional mm-hmm. um it's not just that he's annoying to you he is annoying period um and i i really liked this the scene i loved their interaction because the phrase that they use over and over again to each other we fight to survive and then we get our humanity back is now like stripped of any significance and weight that it originally held like it just rings completely hollow at this point it's been overused it's an empty promise that they tell each other there's no weight behind it anymore um and Kane knows it and I think it's interesting that at the beginning of this season it was Kane telling this to Abby and now we get the reversal and it just kind of you know seesaws back and forth without any kind of resolution yeah, I mean, I think the problem, though, is, is that they don't have any chance to get their humanity again because they're always surviving. Right. Like, there is no just, they can't just be. I think, you know, they could find their humanity again if there was, if they could just be at peace um, and kind of come to terms with what they'd done. But they don't get that chance because they always have, you know, another danger to face, another choice to make. Maybe that's what the show's saying about life is that. life is nothing more than surviving and maybe surviving and and uh humanity are one in the same maybe like maybe you can't like say those are mutually exclusive yeah i love that thesis great i just pulled it out of my ass but (laughs) i love that idea and i like that kane is tired of having to choose between two bad choices like dude welcome to the show (laughs) welcome to season five where have you been Um, I do love that Abby has finally found the strength to fight her addiction, but why do you think she has this now as like her people are being massacred? Like, what do you think has given her this strength? I really think it's what we talked about in the last episode is that her conversation and her confession to Clark has eased some of the burden and Mm -hmm. she's able to put her addiction into perspective and she has Clark and Maddie now to fight for that give her a strength that she didn't have before when she was all alone. I agree. I think that Clark and the reminder that Clark is still there and, and is still fighting, it has given her hope. And I know that 
I want to talk about hope a little bit later in this episode, but you know, the idea that, you know, Pandora's box opens and all of the monsters come out. Um, but hope is also there, uh, behind and it's the last one to come out. So, yeah. And I think she has a lot of faith in Clark Mm -hmm. as a savior, as a hero, you know, even as she should, even though it's her daughter, I think she recognized, I think there's a, a part of her inside, even if she could never really fully verbalize or acknowledge it that like really is just like thank god she's back she's gonna save us all <laughs> again <laughs> again <laughs> um and then lastly vincent just being a great a creeper outside the window love it yeah, really <laughs> living up to his his legend yeah. <laughs> his own myth <laughs> Uh, Maddie is sleeping when Echo wakes her up. Maddie quickly realizes they need her to lead one crew, and she agrees. Suddenly, Clark bursts in and points a gun at them and grabs Maddie. But Maddie knocks the gun out of Clark's hand, and Echo attacks her while Raven removes Maddie's collar. Echo has Clark in a chokehold, but Maddie makes her stop. But unfortunately, before they can leave, they realize that Clark has been broadcasting the fight over the radio, and they're now surrounded by McCreary's men. McCreary takes Raven and Zeke, but Clark stops them from killing Echo. They need to talk to her first. This was a really good scene. <laughs> um, well, one part one of, yeah. of a very long, gorgeously executed scene. Yep. Um, my first thought is I loved seeing Echo crack when she's choking Clark. You know, she's very much like what we were saying before. She is in control. She has this very cool demeanor most of the time. But when she gets her hands on Clark, she loses it mm-hmm. um, and needs to be reeled in. I think she just cannot forgive Clark for leaving Bellamy to die, which is understandable. That's fair. Yeah. For her. <laughs> um, I mean, she did, didn't understand why Clark made that decision. I think we understood it a bit more, although we weren't pleased with it. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm with Echo on this one. <laughs> I, I will say it was really great to see the two of them going against each other, although I would have preferred more of a battle of wits. Um, but Clark you know babe you had it coming so. yeah and echo true. does kick her butt she like, does <laughs> does not hold back no um it also really sucks that we didn't get to see a good reunion between clark and raven i know after this whole season their reunion was clark pointing a gun at her like and raven says that too. yeah she's like after all of this time this is how we want to you know say hi to each other mm-hmm. this is the hello i get it was devastating. But Raven was already pissed at her. So, like, the way she said it was, like, like throwing it in her face. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very much, you know, using it as ammo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like Clark's broadcast of this conversation or this tumult, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, it feels like the biggest portrayal yet. I don't know if it's because it's, like, directly in service to McCreary's plans or just because it's, like, the last in a long line of betrayals. But it felt worse to me. I think it feels worse to me. I agree with you um, because, you know, she betrayed Bellamy and that was awful. But I understood her fury and her fear. um, So that made it a little bit better. But here, these are people, her friends, except maybe Echo and Zeke. Okay, it's Raven who hasn't done anything to her, who's always been a friend to her. And for her to like go in and basically like give up Raven to die um, is... I think truly awful. Yeah. And you just touched on something that um, I want to talk about too, is that when she betrayed Bellamy before it was in a moment of passion, mm-hmm. which is kind of forgivable. But the fact that she walked into this situation with the radio switch on means that it was a calculated decision and lo- logical decision on her part. Yeah. Which makes it a lot worse. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. I mean, that's like, you know, in courts of law, crimes of passion are not as severe as, yeah, as, as first degree, which is (laughs) planned out. Which is planned out. (laughs) Exactly. So this is a second degree murder betrayal. No, this is a first degree betrayal. First degree. Yes. Yes. First degree. Um, also just driving this point home even more is McCreary taking the time to thank Clark for securing a future for both of their children's sake. It's creepy and awful. And it reminded me of when McCreary thanked Kane at the beginning of this episode where McCreary is getting everything he wants and our heroes are handing it to him on a silver platter. And that is just unacceptable. Well, not just that, but he pats Maddie on the head and it's like, get, get your disgusting off hands of her. off of that child. Yeah. It's so creepy. Yeah. In the clinic, Kane wakes up to Vincent coming in. Oh, I love this scene. Oh my God. <laughs> this scene, you guys, is so good. <laughs> Kane tries to make small talk, but Vincent reminds him of the fact that he basically just killed hundreds of people. Impressive, even to a serial killer like Vincent. Kane says he'll struggle to live with what he's done for the rest of his days. Vincent then tells him if only a conscience was a free pass and not just a voice in your head you pretend to listen to between unspeakable acts. He would rather Kane embrace the darkness like Abby has. Of course, now that Abby is clean, um, he's heard that a loved one can force someone back into addiction. And at that, Kane lunges for the scalpel on the table, but Vincent attacks him. Uh, drag him, Vincent. <laughs> Truth bombs. <laughs> oh my God. This was possibly the most satisfying conversation <laughs> to have ever taken place in the 100. I really can't remember a time where I felt like the megaphone of the writers were like screaming through this. <laughs> like it was a gorgeously written scene. I just, it was perfect. It was perfect and I loved it. And I cannot believe, I cannot believe that Kane was sleeping, that he was able to be sleeping. Yeah. That he could have peace of mind enough to fall asleep during all of this when it was his choices that led to this massacre. To and his like, friends being And killed. he's just sleeping. I, I, I mean, like, stab him, Vincent. Stab him it's, hard. It's really sad when a serial killer is the one moralizing to you. Like, that's like an extra level of, like, pathetic. Oh, my God. Reached. Oh, um, it was so good. Oh, I did want to say I loved Vincent's line about I am unburdened by conscience because uh, it's, you know, telling that he's a serial killer. He doesn't have a conscience, but he's like, uh, here, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> right. I don't have a conscience, which makes me more objective about it. And yeah. let me tell you, from an objective point of view, you're a bad you person. <laughs> also, I felt like that line, I myself am unburdened by conscience, was kind of like him saying to Kane, he is also a little bit unburdened by conscience. Like, it's the conscience is a burden to him, but not enough as it should be. Yeah. Well, like he's saying, like, it's it doesn't count if you just, like, listen to it and then still make the same mistakes anyway. Over and over again. <laughs> that you don't learn from your mistakes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I really like the revelation, too, that Abby likes Abby's addiction, or that Vincent likes Abby's addiction, um, because it's something that he himself deals with, and he wants her in the darkness with him, because I think he can relate to her in that way. Yeah, I mean, like, he's got a, a hella crush on Abby, and I think her darkness is what initially drew her to him and made him or her relatable to him Mm -hmm. and this threat of Kane taking that one thing about her that gives them some common ground is too much for him to handle and he just goes for it and I kind of have to give Vincent credit for this plan like his logic is sound it is sound but I also yes I totally agree that you know if if Kane died Abby might slip back but 
Does, does he not think that Abby would realize that his throat's been ripped out by human teeth? I wonder who could have done yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Vincent gets the scalpel and stabs Kane several times. Kane hits him, but Vincent throws him back and rips into his throat with his teeth. At that moment, Abby comes in and shocks Vincent to death, then tries to stop Kane from bleeding out. Kane tells her that he forgives her, that he knows Octavia, that she told Octavia to break him, but it was Octavia who killed those people, not Abby. And then he passes out. So Abby literally killing her addiction here, or rather killing her demons. Like Vincent was her enabler. He was her helper. And as we saw earlier um, in this episode with her breaking open the pill and, and spilling out its contents, Abby is finally free of her addiction. Or she's, she's free of, she, she's fighting it at least. I she's guess you're making, never really free She's of making it. a conscious choice to not give in to her addiction. Mm-hmm. And she's killing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great, I think, comparison to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to skip to the end of this scene when we find out that Kane does know that Abby um, convinced Octavia that he had to break to kind of get everyone else to, to come around to eating the meat. Um, but I think, to me, that makes it even worse that he blames Octavia for everything and doesn't place the blame on other people because... Abby is not blameless here, and neither is Kane. Like, if we have to be honest, if he had just sucked it up and eaten the meat in the beginning, because, like, seriously, how big of a deal is it? It cannot be that big of a deal. I mean, it sucks, but it's not mass murder. murder. Right. (laughs) If he had just sucked it up and did it, those people probably wouldn't have died because he was the one who gave them courage to not eat. Right. His inability to accept his own complicity in this, and as an extension, Abby's, who, who I think he views as a part of himself mm-hmm. as like a unit is unacceptable and the fact that he continues to put all of the blame on Octavia is inexcusable I mean and I think that's why the show gave us this scene right is because like I was saying earlier they're not this is not an accident mm-hmm. like his proselytizing his preaching is infuriating to a degree that warrants a serial killer to bite a chunk out of his neck <laughs> no I'm serious yeah I like, agree the reason the scene was so good to watch was that Kane had it coming yeah like he really did and the writers are aware of it and they gave it to us they know they yeah. know what they did let's pour one out for my boy Vincent <laughs> MVP I know I he really Gone too soon I really warmed up to him by the end of this <laughs> this was like now I'm like oh my god I'm gonna miss you <laughs> but just like one more thing I think the question is, I, 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 does Kane know the reasons why Octavia did it and why Abby said that Kane has to break? Like, that's what I need to know is, like, does he understand that these people were going to die and then there wouldn't be enough for other people who wanted to live? Yes, to I eat? think. And the fact that that guilt of killing, you know, those their friends would, would haunt them too. Like, I, I, that seems, like, irrefutable to me. It, it seems like Octavia had to do what she did. Like, there was no other option. This was the best option. She didn't want to kill those people. No, But no. it was for the best of the group. That's what I'm saying. I think Kane is technically aware of all of these facts. Like, he has them all at his disposal. I just don't think he's willing to connect them to an emotional place that involves his own complicity. And those people had already chosen death. They'd already chosen it. You're going to starve to death if you don't eat this. So it's just like... Just speeding up the process, man. I just, I, I'm, I, I know I'm harping on this, but I just find this whole situation wild. But I feel way more satisfied about it because the writers also condemn it. 
Like at the beginning, I couldn't tell what side they were on, but now I feel like, like well, I get it. They condemn Kane's conscience and him. I think making the choice to side with McCreary, but I don't know how they they kind of left it here in a weird place with um uh Kane being like, "I forgive you, Abby. Like it wasn't your fault. It was Octavia." I don't know where they're going with that. I have to see the last episode. Yeah, but it kind of seems like Kane was like lifting the like the way it was written sounded like Kane was forgiving Abby and that well, I mean, was like he literally good, says well, I mean yes I yes you. he was I mean like I'm, literally he was but like that that Abby would feel better because of that like that Kane had forgiven her but for me it's like Kane is still missing the the lesson here which is that we're all complicit in this we all did this it's not just Octavia's fault it's not Abby's fault but she you know, played a part in it. Kane played a part in it. Like, yeah. And of the three of them, Octavia is the youngest. Yeah. Like, and has less leadership experience. So it's really even worse for Abby and Kane. But I do think we should reserve judgment for like how the show is judging Kane yeah. until the last episode, because I'm, I'm not sure that they are cond- condoning him at all. I think, I, I think it's full condemnation. Actually, I hope so. I don't, I mean like he's not dead. I'm, like 99% no, sure he's, he's not, not dead. dead here. Um, no, we're going to get a buttoned up. So scene. yeah, I, I need to, I need to see how they, they wrap him up this yeah, season. Agreed. And I also do think it's pretty much confirmed now that he's going to be in season six, which sucks. It's annoying. Womp womp. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll turn it around. That's they've, true. They've, they've turned, turned it around characters before. <laughs> Look what they did to Jaha. Yes. I mean, <laughs> in one episode, <laughs> one little episode. <laughs> Gaia tells Indra that she has to let her go, but Indra says one crew will come for them. Gaia just has to hold on a little longer. Gaia doesn't believe they'll come because one crew is broken, but Bellamy tells her to fight to live so she can protect her commander. Octavia then realizes that Gaia is right, one crew is broken, and she broke it. Indra agrees. So first... (laughs) This is the Bellamy that I miss and love is him like literally pep talking someone back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. Him as a motivational speaker. Yes. Is the Bellamy that we the know. The heart. Like that is that is the heart Bellamy. And actually, I will say, I think this scene and this episode in general did a good job of merging heart Bellamy and head Bellamy. I yeah. feel like we're, we're definitely getting more into like a middle ground that I can get behind. Yeah. It's like a more mature version of himself. Yeah. Um, without the disconnect that we've kind of been seeing all episode or mm-hmm. all season. I yeah. mean, it was, it was really great. I loved it. I do think actually in like the last few episodes, we've gotten a lot a, a Bellamy that I can get that I feel good about. I, f- yeah. I saw something online and I apologize because I can't remember who wrote it, but somebody was like, we had a problem with Bellamy in the first half of season five. And we have a problem with Clark in the second half of season five. Yeah. Um, and now in like episode hopefully 13 hopefully in the finale we're gonna be able to kind of find a balance for them I hope so (laughs) um because I think in the second half of the season Bellamy has been much stronger than he was in the first half and vice versa for Clark well as um Bob Morley himself said the scene where Clark slaps Bellamy and then leaves him to die was a turning point for Bellamy's character this season um and I do think since then he's come a little bit out of his head and his kind of back back a lot more toward heart not necessarily all the way but but definitely a lot more. yeah she slapped him back into his senses yeah. so to speak back um, into his emotions emotions exactly <laughs> um did want to call out uh there was like a heavy lord of the rings 
music cue happening yeah. during this motivational speech. It was just like when Aragorn was like, there may come a day when, when the something, the, of, something man of men fails. Fail. But it is not this day. <laughs> it was like so, kingdom of men. so clearly pointing to Bellamy as this like heroic figure and inspirational leader um, with the violins and the music. It was just, it was so much Lord of the Rings and I, I loved it. And he is an inspirational leader. He is. People I, love him. It is a direct him. parallel. I don't, it was not an accident. Mm-hmm. Like that's very clear. Um, I also just wanted to call out that Gaia was really an amazing character in this scene, but also the entire episode slash season. Yeah. Shout out to Gaia. My God, this woman is so pure and she displays such conviction. I just, I love her. Like she is willing. She knows she's dying. She doesn't want to see her loved ones go down with her. She, she's begging them to leave her. And I just, what a pure little soul she is. She is still, she's, she's pure. I I did want to apologize for my, uh, you know, earlier this season being like, oh, this is going in a dark place. Me too. I feel so bad. But I do still think Gaia is, manipulative when she's trying to get something that she or when when she's trying to help people I, I think is the think real Gaia is innocent she's not like a baby yeah dear, but I do think that there is a purity to her I that, think her intentions are pure and I genuinely mistook it earlier yeah. this season and I really love where they landed with her it's like I almost need to go back and rewatch the Gaia scene yeah. so I can kind of like reorient myself with what they were trying to do right versus what I saw what ha- was happening yeah so. yeah same thing with Nyla because they did that like switcheroo there and now I have to like go back and rewatch all of it wait what what with Nyla because like in the in the episode where we think that Gaia is the one who's going to like betray them oh, yeah. and that, you know, like that whole switch yeah. that they did, which was genius. Like, I think everything before that point, like I had to go back and reevaluate everything that I saw this season. I don't think that they did a good job with Nyla. I don't think you can reevaluate it. I don't think her character arc makes sense. Or if it does make sense, they didn't show us how it makes sense. No, I agree completely. But I was giving her the benefit of the doubt until that point. Yeah. And now I have to go back and just read it as like straight Slytherin. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also, one last thing, Indra here being like, "Yes, you did break it, savage." Oh, that was wonderful. It was <laughs> like everyone is getting their comeuppance, yeah, and it feels great. I think that's why I like this episode yeah. so much because, like, finally everyone is like getting to the meat of it and well, like talking. Yeah, this is why I love um, in season three. My favorite episode um, up to this point was Nevermore. Yeah. And oh, that was such a great episode. I loved that episode because everyone was basically just like airing out each other's flaws and like you know having like real conversations about the bad things that they've done yeah they were bake essentially stuck in a room talking to each other yeah that's that's what I love to see and I think that this episode does that a lot with a lot of characters yeah in a lot of different ways Mm -hmm. so moving on Clark is watching Echo when Echo wakes Echo asks how it feels to be a traitor to the people you care about and Clark admits that it sucks but it's worth it if Maddie is safe Clark then reminds Echo that they've all got blood on their hands, referencing when Echo blew up Mount Weather. Right now, Clark doesn't want McCreary's men to kill Echo because Bellamy loved her and they were good for each other. And at this point, Echo reveals that Bellamy isn't dead and Clark is shook. Clark tries to defend her actions, but Echo says she that he put the flame in Maddie's head to save them all and Maddie took it willingly. Okay, so first off, <laughs> oh my god, this scene. Yeah, we'll... This is going to be long, um, so just bear with us because we have a lot to talk about. Um, 
the first of which is that I wanted to say this is the battle of wits that we were looking for earlier. Mm -hmm. And I loved watching Clark and Echo go toe to toe here. I really like watching them interpret and anticipate like a game of chess almost with each other. They're so smart and so different. Um, and I, it was great. I it loved, I loved watching them go back, back and forth. And they're, they're very evenly matched oh, yeah. in a surprising way. Although I do think that Clark is still a little bit better. You know, Echo does lose it a little bit at some point in this conversation. And I also don't think Clark is performing at peak Clark either. No, well, that's we true. are, we are at that's like true. a middle, middle. Yeah. I think if Clark were at her best, she would wipe the floor with Echo. <laughs> like, like Echo, Echo wiped wipe the, wipe the floor, floor with her. With, yeah, <laughs> you took the words right out of my yeah. mouth. Um, but yeah, I do think in this particular scene, they are very evenly matched. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this whole scene from, you know, beginning when she's talking to Echo all the way to the end when Echo and Maddie leave because I just think it is honestly the best scene the hundreds ever done. It's fantastic. The writing is so good and the payoffs are really great and it's just, I, I'm so impressed with what they did here. Um, I know that there was a lot of hatred about this scene online, which just is it blows my mind because I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I guess I don't always agree with the, actually I rarely agree Ever. with the fandom. <laughs> Sorry, online fandom. <laughs> um, but kind of jumping into this first part here, how do we think Echo feels about Clark outside of this scene? Because, you know, Clark is someone that she's like heard about for years. Bellamy has built his entire leadership strategy around her. I think her name was probably used all the time on the arc. Um, do we think that Echo is disappointed in Clark and the kind of Clark that now that she's, you know, she knew her before, but now that she's kind of like re-meeting her is such a disappointment to what her, the idea of her was? Oh, absolutely. Um, or do we think that there's a part of her that's happy to realize that this real Clark isn't as perfect as she was made out to be? I kind of wondered sometimes if Bellamy and his like adherence to Clark's philosophy um, would have irritated Echo to some extent. I don't know if it would have been irritating, but I'm sure it is satisfying at some level to find out that this person who he's built up to be a paragon is human like the rest of them. Mm -hmm. I think um, having to live up to this sort of ideal perfection is impossible. And I think trying finding out that she can bleed is is a really probably nice Nice realization for Echo. <laughs> but I do think that there is a larger part of her, the part that loves Bellamy and that loves her space crew and has been living up to, you know, what they owe Clark mm -hmm. for living in space and leaving her behind um, to come back and find her this sort of twisted, warped version of herself is incredibly disappointing. Uh, I think Echo is disgusted with her. Yeah. Um. So I think it's a lot of things, but I do think that it really follows very neatly into the theme of storytelling and mythology that this season has given us. Um, and I like the idea of Clark not living up to her own mythology just the way that everyone else in this season has. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I wanted to call out a few specific lines here that Echo and Clark are, are talking about because it, like the writing's just so great. Um, but I did want to call out one line that the writing wasn't too great. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, the great one Hedda willing to do anything to protect her people, correction person, was again a line that felt a little too on the nose. Agreed. Like, we we, we, we know, we don't need you to tell us this. <laughs> right. I mean, they've been showing it that... Like, again, they've showed it. We don't need you to tell us. Right. <laughs> they did a great job yeah. showing it. You should be able to extrapolate 
to understand that she's referring to Maddie yeah. in one this of, sense. One of the rare times here in the show, my complaint is like they've showed they don't need to tell. <laughs> right. That's, that almost never happens, but yeah. it was too much. Um, another line is too bad she doesn't appreciate it, which is when Echo's talking about Maddie not appreciating Clark's sacrifices for her. Um, I think it parallels really well to season two when Octavia and Bellamy are talking um, about Lexa and her like advisor or protector or whatever he was. I don't remember what his name was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she ends up killing him and, and Bellamy was the one to figure out that it was his fault for poisoning Lexa's cup. Right. Um, and they're having that conversation and, you know, Bellamy's like, he would do anything to protect her. It just makes sense. And then Octavia's like, look at the things he got. It just feels like that kind of the people that you love where really it was like Clark loving or Bellamy loving Clark, even in a platonic sense, just, you know, wanting to protect platonic. her. Well, but what I'm just but saying, like, I just mean love like as like any sort of love wanting to protect her with Clark loving Maddie and wanting to protect her. Um, I, I like kind of seeing that call back to sometimes people that you love don't appreciate the things that you do and don't see it. Um, I think it's a little bit twisted here because Clark's being a little crazy. Right. But right. I don't know. That just what immediately was called to mind. Yeah, I, I love that callback. I think it's great. And I also appreciated the fact that Clark brought up Echo's actions in Mount Weather as a callback. I mean, it's important to remember our history. I think the show does a really good job of incorporating our history um, into like current episodes of The 100. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as she says, like they all have blood on our hands. It's just in this particular situation, Echo is in the right. <laughs> <laughs> well... Wait, you mean that Echo's in the right about like Clark betraying Bellamy in them? Or? I think that that in that this current betrayal of like broadcasting and leading McCurry's men to find them, this betrayal was a mistake. I so I just want to talk a little bit about Echo specifically because she gets a lot of hatred in the fandom, and I think a lot of people assume that she, that the show is trying to redeem her. But I really do feel like she's basically the same character. The only change is that she's now on our side. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really fascinating thing to explore about how, like, an enemy might only be an enemy on on the other side, but they can be the same person and be on your side. And, and, and they're, it's okay. they're a hero. It's okay. Um, so I just kind of like that we get to see those same sorts of things Echo doing and sacrificing to protect people that she cares about, which is space crew. Um, and, you know, we have here that Clark brings up Echo's actions in Mount Weather. And for Echo, I don't think it was because she had orders that made it okay. I think it was because she did it for her people. Right. <laughs> and, and Clark has done a lot of things for her people, including mass murder. So, right. so I, I, I think that, yes, Echo's right in the sense that Clark probably shouldn't be betraying Space Crew for McCreary because that's just not going to end out well for anybody, even Clark and Maddie, if McCreary wins. Um, but I also do think that Clark understands who Echo is on a level that maybe a lot of characters in the 100 don't. Yeah, I agree. I think Clark has a keen understanding of Echo because I think she recognizes the choices Echo's made and the choices that Clark has made herself. Mm-hmm. I think that gives her a, a, a lot of insight into Echo. Uh, moving on. So when Echo talks about killing her uh, when she had the chance, is she referring to earlier in this day or like in a previous season? I don't know. I think she has to be referring to earlier in that day because like if you had killed Clark, then she wouldn't have been around to save you guys to go into space. 
but it just kind of felt it felt like she was talking about like sometime in the past I don't know it's like a weird line I think she was talking about choking her yeah I think so too but I don't know but it did feel like she was talking about like earlier seasons or something that was a little strange um and then Clark's face when she finds out Bellamy isn't dead like wow like Eliza is such a fabulous actor and and the emotions that played out you know she's usually I think she doesn't get a lot of credit because she tends to have very um, subtle facial reactions because that's who Clark is. Clark keeps a lot bottled up. But I think having this bomb dropped on her that her best friend who she thought she'd left to die is actually still alive just like shakes her at the core. And, and we've, we've seen a lot this um, these last couple of episodes about her just not even thinking about Bellamy and what she did at all, which kind of annoyed me. But it does, I think, make a lot of sense for Clark being, like, a really strong compartmentalizer to just be like, I killed him. I have to move on. Like, I can't think about it. And then for her to kind of realize, oh, he's not dead. And then have to come to terms with, like, am I going to portray him again? That's that's really interesting to explore. Yeah. Um, And I love Eliza's face because pretty much this entire season, she's had this, like, almost grimace Mm -hmm. on her face. Like, stern, brows knit, very, very stern expression and the second that echo tells her that bellamy is alive her whole face opens up she she like looks like clark again yeah um and it's amazing well she looks so vulnerable yeah like her eyes get wide they start to tear up like her she her face just like opens Mm -hmm. like blooms and it's it was a really amazing acting um and i did want to call out too that when echo points out that clark has not only betrayed bellamy once but she actually betrayed him twice (laughs) with her broadcast so like by giving mccurry the missiles he needs now he can go and destroy bellamy so he'll finish the job yeah and for clark to realize that is is like i don't think she can do it again no i mean we see here she can't she she can't do it again (laughs) maddie tells clark that she took the flame because she loves her clark thought the commanders in maddie's head tell her that love is weakness and maddie agrees all but one Maddie constantly sees Lexa betraying Clark outside of Mount Weather, and Clark says that Lexa made a deal with the enemy to save her people, just like Clark is doing now. But Maddie says the reason Lexa's showing her this memory is because betraying Clark was Lexa's deepest regret, and she doesn't want Clark to have to make the same mistakes that she did. Clark, crying, says this is how they survive, but Maddie reminds her of her own line long ago. Life should be about more than just surviving. So I am in awe by this little scene here. I'm in awe of the comparison of what Lexa did to Clark to what Clark did to Bellamy. I think, you know, the writers being able to kind of extrapolate that and to bring back something that happened so long ago and and kind of tie it into what's happening now is just so brilliant. I, like, honestly never even thought of this comparison. I kind of forgot about that. Um, But the way that they, like layered this scene um into this episode specifically i think it's just really powerful it was and this is the level of writing that i expect from the hundred and when i don't get it that's when i get mad yeah because they can do this Mm -hmm. i've seen it before i've seen it here this is the kind of writing that exceeds all expectations and like breaks you um and like it's just it's perfect it's perfect scene it's a perfect scene um, I, I kind of want to go through this like line by line yeah. almost. Yeah, we're going to have everything go, is good. Go deep. Um, so Clark, you know, tells Maddie, I thought love was weakness. And she says it with such disdain. Yeah. Um, because she's always, you know, been pretty disdainful about that idea. Except maybe like a little bit in season two. It was a rough <laughs> time. Um, but 
there's also here this weird notion that, you know, Clark has loved Maddie too much and that's ended up making her do stupid things. So like, I think overall love isn't a weakness. It, it can be a strength, but when you, you know, when you love something enough to destroy it, it does become a weakness. <laughs> yeah. I think love should be a strength yeah. is the idea that, but you, it can be your, a weakness. Your love for someone should be a strength that you rely on and that you use as a source of power mm-hmm. um, and empathy that give that gives you an insight into making to being a better healthier person mm-hmm. but it has the potential to to become a weakness for you and I think that is what sh- that is the sentiment that should be expressed but is often misinterpreted and warped yeah um and I I love I love this little nugget here yeah so good <laughs> um and then Clark says uh life should be about more than just surviving or I mean Maddie says it and I I lost it oh because I mean well <laughs> I wrote in big fat letters when we were doing the recap this is where I lost it yeah. like hysterical so after Maddie's like life should be about more than just surviving I was basically crying throughout the rest of the scene um but I do think that that specific line really puts into context um into perspective what the writer's intended Clark's arc to be this season because at the beginning in episode one of this season um, we see Clark you know killing animals and talking about how animals aren't guilty when they kill they just do it to survive and that kind of seemed like that was Clark's mentality um, or that was going to be her mentality for the whole season Mm -hmm. which it kind of was Um, but then here we get the reminder that again life needs to be about more than just surviving you can't just like go around doing whatever it takes to live because you're going to end up unhappy with who you and are destroying as yourself. And, and destroying your soul. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's what they were trying to do. I don't think it was executed as well as it could have been. I, I think I can see it under there, but I, I think a lot of it gets lost um, in, in the weeds. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so. I, I don't think it was executed to the level of perfection that was the scene, but I appreciate the intention. Mm-hmm. I do like this scene as a button for that. I think it puts a lot of it into perspective um, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like again, out of context, the scene is incredibly powerful. Genius, yeah. Putting it into the rest of the season, I don't know if it was completely earned, um, but I still love it anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, I also really like that the show puts Lex's choice to leave Clark there and into perspective for us. I only we only watched season three once, but I know there's been a lot of back and forth about whether or not Lexa herself viewed her decision to betray Clark as um, a necessary means or as a betrayal or as a mistake. Um, and I'm glad to hear that the show, at least from the show, that they view it as a mistake by Lexa admitting it herself. I think that was needed. Well, I kind of wondered too. Was it a mistake for Lexa when she was alive? Or is this something that her, like, computer copy self has thought a lot about, um, you know, since then? And and she's kind of realized that, you know, I really wish I hadn't have done that. I feel like by the end of season... When did she die? Three. Three, yeah. By the end of season three, when she and Clark had started their relationship, I think she regretted it. I think so, I think while she was alive, she made that decision. Or or had realized her mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to add to that, that it was a really amazing choice to see Lexa being the one to finally break through to Clark, just because Clark looked up to her so much. And I think in the same way that we all become our parents is that we all strive to become our um, heroes, Mm -hmm. in a sense, the same thing that Maddie's been doing all season. Um, So having Lexa admit to her that betraying her was not 
a calculated necessity but a mistake in her eyes I think really hit Clark hard and made Clark reevaluate everything that she's been doing people that she's loved yeah and I I think it's important that it comes from someone who Clark was in love with Mm -hmm. as well who about a decision that she is currently about to make for another person that she might be in love with it's true it's not but I mean aside from her being in love with Exa which she absolutely was um you know she was also in love with Finn but I don't think bringing back something that Finn did or said I think would have quite the same impact on on Clark just because I think Clark really idolizes Lexa oh, I in many ways and I think Lexa was again a paragon of leadership in mm-hmm. a lot of ways and she held so much power um in a way that Finn just didn't yeah um <laughs> that it wouldn't make sense to bring Finn back for yeah this, but it makes sense for Lexa to to make an appearance here it's relevant mm-hmm. um I also just wanted to say that I I loved seeing Maddie finally break through to Clark like beyond Lexa's words and Lexa's intention breaking through to Clark which I think is absolutely true mm-hmm. and relevant as one layer in this scene the other layer is Maddie finally breaking through to Clark and showing her that she is her own person and in some ways much wiser and stronger than Clark <laughs> is at this moment and, and in that, most ways <laughs> in a lot of ways and and Clark must let her go she has to mm-hmm. this is no longer acceptable like they must they mu- she must let go of her mm-hmm. emotionally and, phys- and physically <laughs> there comes a time when you just have to push the children out of the out nest, of the nest. <laughs> let them fly um so to round out this scene before mccreary's men can kill echo clark shoots them both and then unties her but as maddie and echo rush to leave clark doesn't go instead she has to save uh the transport ship and stop it from taking off with the missiles Clark tells Maddie that she's so special that Clark has always known it and that all this time Maddie thought that Clark was keeping her alive it really was the opposite Clark knows Maddie can do this and always and also refuses this to be the last time they see each other they will meet again Clark then turns to Echo and tells her to go save Bellamy oh my god there's also a lot to unpack here, <laughs> yeah yes. so just bear with us because I'm we're gonna go again line by line um I found it really interesting that as opposed to last season when there were no options, there was no choices, which is an oxymoron, mm-hmm. as we all know. <laughs> all season long, we have been given choices. Mm-hmm. We've had an, a multitude of choices, and they some characters continue to choose wrongly. <laughs> um, and this is the first time, really, where Clark makes a decision that we feel good about. Yeah. Um, and it's, a, it's the right choice. So I really like this as like a comparison to last season's arc and and ultimate episode where it was about having no options left to you and making the most out of it and this season where it's about having many options open to you and choosing the right one um I think that's a nice evolution and a nice progression for the show and I really like it I love that idea and I I think you know in the past we've seen and even Kane mentioned this episode there's so much about just like I have to choose the least bad option, which is true. Um, but last season, especially, Abby told Clark, like, yes, there really are good people. Like, we all, you know, want to help people that we love, but there are people who have good intentions and people who have bad intentions. And you need to be someone who has good intentions. Yeah. And I think that's a lesson that, again, Clark has kind of forgotten that she needs to try to be the good guy, even if, you know, every side might have valid, uh, valid points. Um, and this is finally a choice where it's like, yes, this is a choice that a good guy would make. Mm-hmm. That I'm finally reclaiming myself as yeah. a hero. Even though Clark doesn't, Even though think, she doesn't she's a think, hero. think she is a hero. Um, I just, I love, love, love how deeply Clark believes in Maddie. You know, it was, it was 
so hard for her to let go, but she knows how special Maddie is and she knows she can do this. And Clark has been letting, as you said earlier, her fear stop her from letting Maddie ascend, literally ascend to the heights that she knows Maddie can go to. Yeah. Um, but now she has to like get rid of that fear and turn to her love for Maddie, which has never been in question and is very pure. Um, and, and she knows that Maddie can do this. So. Yeah. And I think Clark's explanation that Maddie is the one who saved Clark all along instead of the other way around. For me, it really puts Clark's kind of mania and paranoia this season into perspective because I've I've been having a really hard time, as you said, empathizing with Clark and understanding how she could do this to someone she loves, who she claims she loves, mm-hmm. and hurting her this whole time. But in a large part, I think she's been motivated by fear and not love. Yeah. You know, I think her fear has driven her to make unhealthy, dangerous choices on behalf of Maddie and it has nothing to do with her love for Maddie that that's not the problem that's not the problematic part at all it's her fear of losing her and her desperation that has driven her to being kind of mad Mm -hmm. like a rabid dog and I I needed this explanation to put the rest of her behavior this season into perspective because I was having a really hard time reconciling it but now I have this it's making much more sense to me yeah I completely agree and I I love that interpretation um I I think that's honestly like a brilliant way to kind of figure out where Clark has been all season um is like putting her in like a fear mindset and not a a love mindset right because she keeps claiming it as love Mm -hmm. like I love you I you're my daughter I'm your mother you know these are all very loving familial terms but it has nothing to do with that this is an addiction yeah she needs Maddie and the fear of losing her is making her go out of her mind Mm -hmm. which is clear yeah we've seen that over and over again this season yeah um, I also wanted to call out one of the last lines. Clark says, you may be the commander, but I'm the commander of death. And I say we will meet again. And it is, I will, I will admit it is super cheesy, it is. but I loved it. It works. And I think Eliza <laughs> just really pulled it off. Um, and I cried, honestly, oh, we will meet again. Like I, I was, I, mean, I was already crying. Right. It, there were like three moments in this scene though. It was like, life should be more than just surviving. We will meet again, yeah. which is just like a perfect reversal of may we meet again mm-hmm. it's just not even putting the question into it um i love this show so much you guys i do it's so great <laughs> um it's like this is why we podcast um it was a gene it was beautiful and i was yeah. hysterically crying i also love that it was just a little bit of a callback to season two when clark tells abby you may be the chancellor but i'm in charge yes because Clark, you know, Clark's got Clark. And this is Clark kind of finding herself again. So. Yeah, and I like her also reclaiming her title of One Hedda. Yeah. She is One Hedda. She is the commander of death. And I think she's claiming it and twisting it in a good way where it's like, I refuse to let either of us die right. before we see each other I again. I control death, yeah. so I get to decide who's going to make it yeah. and who's going to live. It was perfect. And it then was. the last moment, the last, you know, clinch point that made <laughs> me just gush was when Clark told Echo, go save him. Not them, but him. <laughs> Save Bellamy. And I was dying. I just died. Yeah. It was amazing. I just, like, can't. And I'm, I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> the whole scene. It was like an entire act of television. It, it was. was so long. It was like an entire third act. It was, I just, I can't. And it was really, really brave of them to, to extend it this long. Yeah. This was a long, drawn-out scene that needed to carry a lot of emotional beats and not lose momentum and they delivered it to the so very well end. I just I I don't know like I still think Nevermore is my favorite episode 
I don't know. Like this this episode, there this are is, there are some scenes that are my favorite, and this scene specifically is my favorite season of the hundred scene of scene, the hundred. Yeah, it, it's very hard to beat. Yeah. I'd have to like go back and really think about it, but I think this might be my favorite too. Yeah. So let's uh let's finish let's up, wrap this up. <laughs> um, on the Allegiance ship, Raven tries to get out of her collar, but Zeke says that instead she needs to turn his on, so she kills him. Raven refuses to kill him, but Zeke says that he'll break and bomb one crew if they torture her. But before they can make any decisions, McCreary comes in, and it's too late. It is time for Zeke to pilot the ship. What a terrible second date these two are on. <laughs> like, seriously? Like, why can't they just have some nice things? Have they had any good dates? What was no. their first date? The makeout sesh? Oh, no. I was just, you know, like, it feels very, very early on in their relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like their first date was their rendezvous when he followed them and she yeah. got mad at him. <laughs> I mean, I, I will, like, all jokes aside, I, I do think I still have a hard time believing that they're this in love with each other, it seems. I think they're in, like, I think they're, like, puppy love. I don't know, Zeke's like, I will do anything. I will break if they torture you. Have you seen her? I have seen her. I mean, like, I, I'm just saying I have a hard time believing that their feelings are this strong this fast, but at the same time... I do think that, you know, crazy, crazy situations put you, um, put your emotions yeah, it's, it's a into more heightened uh, levels. Yeah, it's a heightened state of, of and, love. And I love watching it. So. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> um, overall, this was a super sweet scene. And I, I do have a hard time believing um, that Raven would ever consider killing him. Like, that would never no, happen. No, Please? Like, <laughs> my God, are you kidding? But still, that, that nitpick aside, I... I loved this scene. I did want to say I've been worried about Zeke this season because we know he's on another show next season um, or next year. Um, but uh, Kane, Henry and Cusick is also in two shows next year. So I feel better that like Zeke can still be on the show and they don't have to kill him off or get rid of him in yeah, some way. I was really worried about that too. But I also think that the 100 doesn't film. Their filming schedule is like kind of the opposite of what a normal season's filming schedule yeah. is. So maybe they, they can do both. Well, especially if they're going to be a summer show from right, now on. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. They've like moved into a totally different season. So their shooting schedule will be different. Um, I don't know how much promotional stuff they'll be able to do so if they're filming two shows all year <laughs> round. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, in the past, Gaia is dying, and Indra says to Bellamy and Octavia that they have to go now. Indra will give them a target, but Octavia disagrees. She tells Indra that she might never be able to fix what she broke, but she can save them here, now, Oman Gonasan. As Octavia passes Bellamy, he grabs her, and she says to him, my brother, my responsibility, and at that, she leaves the cover and starts firing while Bellamy, Indra, and Gaia run. But before Octavia can be killed, Maddie and Space Crew show up with the rover and rescues them. So again, this is another scene that, out of context, I really do love this scene, but I don't think it was earned either in the season or even in this episode, really. I agree. Um, you know, I, I, I did love the, the visuals and I loved the the emotions that it brought, but I just wish that the show had done a better job of building up this moment. I agree. And I think particularly for Octavia, um, you know, when she says, I broke it, mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing the connection or, or seeing the transition for her to really grapple with the revelation that it is her full responsibility. It's her fault. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of her figuring. I like, I liked that moment where she says, I broke it. I thought that was really strong and beautiful, but I don't think it was earned enough yeah. for me specifically. Um, and then also like, you know, the deus ex machina of them showing up with the rover at the end. <laughs> I don't mind that. Honestly. I don't mind <laughs> it. But again, like that was 
that was really like heavy plot armor there. Um, so let's go through this scene kind of one at a time. So at the beginning of the scene, we see Bellamy tells Octavia that he wishes that she were dead. Um, do you think he means it? No, <laughs> I don't. I mean, like we see him like hold her head down and that's when she says like, what do you care if I live or die? Like, don't you like in- instinctively? No, he doesn't want her dead. So uh, I, yeah. I honestly think it's both. I think there is a part of Bellamy Especially with this new version of Octavia that he just feels has completely, he's completely lost what his sister used to be. Um, I think there's a part of him that thinks like, if she were gone, my life would be so much better. Yeah. But I don't really think that he wants her dead. No, I think at one point you even said like, I think he wants Blood Reina to die. Yeah. And that I can get behind. Yeah. I think it's the the, the guttural yes that he says here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do a Bellamy voice. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um is really referring to him wanting Blood Raina to die. Yeah. And Octavia to live. Um, and I like that idea. Yeah. Um, I really loved both of the reversals that Octavia employs in this scene. First with Amon Ganasan, you know, she is finally sacrificing herself for the good of her people instead of her people for everyone in one crew. I loved that. And then also at the end when she does my brother, my responsibility, like she is finally taking responsibility for everything that she has done for one crew and everything she has put him through. Yeah. Um, and finally sacrificing herself for his sake so that he can survive instead of him always having to do it for her. So I, I really liked both of those things. I thought they were perfect. Burf- brilliantly executed and and very well placed i agree that it's very much time for her to take responsibility i also do think though some part about her making this choice to sacrifice herself is because she doesn't want to have to deal with the fact that she's done all of these horrible things and it's been seemingly for nothing yeah Um, she can't live with herself right now and i think that that kind of makes the choice easier that like i'll sacrifice myself go out in a blaze of glory and that's how i'll be remembered not necessarily like you know the horrible things that i've done but that in the end i i I saved my people or I tried to save my people. Right. Um, And then leaping off of that, I also thought it was incredibly telling and then also really tragic that that no one, not one person argued with Octavia when she offered to give herself up. Like they, all of these people who, the only people who love her, mm -hmm. you know, they're the only people left. Even them, you know, they accept that it's, it's just that this needs to happen and they, they don't even argue with her. They don't even try and save her. Even Bellamy even Indra because I think out of every, like they realize like out of the four of us in this group it's gotta it be should you. be you <laughs> yeah and that's so sad yeah it is um I will say like if this really were Octavia's death scene which for a minute there I, I wasn't sure and if it was her death scene it would have been a hell of a way to go out it would have it was badass it was very Boromir from Lord of the Rings when she like drops to her knees and it's all slow-mo and I was like is this the end is she is she gonna die and again there was like a musical cue from Lord of the Rings and if you extrapolate this to compare Bellamy to Aragorn and Octavia to Boromir that is a very apt comparison (laughs) like their relationship is is very that feels right I I can I can get I get behind that like I I gotcha I hear you I see what you're doing um, and then the, the rover shows up. Oh, yeah. yeah. The rover shows up. Oh, my God. And Murphy being Murphy in this scene. Anybody need a rescue? Like, he's just so happy. He's so proud of himself. He's really proud of himself. <laughs> he's so cute. He's like, this is a great movie moment right here. <laughs> this is. He's like, I'm going to be the hero. Yeah. And I'm going to have my big gun <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> Poor Murphy. He tried it twice and it didn't work. He just wanted to fire that just damn gun. He just wanted to fire the cannon. Um, 
finally they're all in the rover at the end and in the script we see that everyone in the rover is feeling a flicker of hope and we have definitely been waiting for this hope to show up like ever since they opened that damn Pandora's bunker yeah um so it is nice to see at least in the script that that is what they're all feeling I wouldn't necessarily say when I watched the scene that I realized they were all hopeful. No, I don't um, think that came across. The only right. one who f- seemed hopeful was like Murphy and Amori. And, you know, Amori's grin at Murphy's whooping is honestly the purest thing in the world. Um, but other people, you know, the look that Echo gave Bellamy, the look he gave her back, the look he gave Octavia, the look Maddie has on her face right now. They're all still very concerned seeming. Yeah, they're <laughs> like very like cautious. Yeah. Um, and I did want to talk about Echo and Bellamy a little bit because I'm kind of confused. I'm very confused by where the writers are going with them. We haven't gotten a lot of progression in the relationship this season. And I would have expected a little bit more of something to have happened between them to give us a, to give us a, an inclination of where we're going next. And I just, given what we can interpret, what's going to end up happening between Bellamy and, and Clark, eventually down the line I I don't love the idea of him and Echo still being like together together I want Echo to be on her own standing strong and like you know what I mean like yeah. I just am confused what we're doing here I'm I, I like are we going to have Echo and Bellamy in season six is that going to be like a topic then I don't know that's what I'm asking yeah I, I I have to agree I feel like this season I would have been okay I mean like I I, I st- I would have been okay if they were together, if it, like, felt justified in this season. Yeah. But so much of the season felt like the relationship between them was really just used as a reason to justify them doing other things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no in service of other plots. It just didn't feel... It didn't feel like their relationship specifically was consequential or explored in any way, shape, or form. No, it was very insubstantial to me, um, which leaves me to question what we're going to get out of them like what are they still what is their left there's a lot that they could do Mm -hmm. but they don't seem particularly interested in pursuing it so then why why are we still doing this for the sake of it like yeah well I mean the entire season this season has really been about Bellamy and Clark's relationship and how it's you know fractured um and whether they were together or not their their presence and their relationship has been very front and center yeah um so I, that's why I don't understand like I, no matter how we wrap up Clark and Bellamy this season I'm assuming they're going to come back together and and mend their relationship in some way um but then I just don't know where we're going with the echo of it all yeah I completely I'm very confused because I still like out of this season I am and after this episode especially I'm more convinced than ever that they're doing romantic Bella I am too like every single episode but I also like hardcore it. stan echo like Oh, I love that hardcore. And those two things do not; those two things do not work together. So, I need something. Well, I I just I need I would I, I honestly their relationship is going to end. We know that. I just don't understand how or why. I just like want them to wrap it up in a way that doesn't make me like feel bad way for echo Echo (laughs) i know i like don't want her to be hurt by this she doesn't deserve she doesn't i mean she's going to be hurt by this i like i just like let's okay i do i i'm thinking that's going to be a season six issue to deal with yeah so well that was an episode yeah that was an episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. holy shit um let's jump into some discussion points i do want to talk about the title a little bit damocles part one we can just drop off the part one damocles however is a legend of itself it is um the sort of damocles and it sort of 
the the myth goes that there is a, a sense of constant fear hanging over the person who wields it. Um, that's kind of like the gist of the, the moral of the story of the Sword of Damocles. And I like that idea of of it sort of being applied to this episode in a way that like no matter who is in power, who is yielding their power, that at no point are you f ever free of the burden of humanity. Like you will always, there will always be a threat to you. You're never safe. You always have to look over your shoulder. They're never out of the woods. Mm -hmm. And I really like that idea, um, especially in this episode when there are so many precarious things going on. And there's so many people in power in different ways. Yeah. Um, and we have to kind of see how they deal with the threats that, that hang above them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and then of course we also have the Damocles um, bomb that we know yes, exists. Yes, that is hanging over our yeah. heads that's waiting to be deployed. Dioza's Damocles plan yeah. that she was going to deploy when she got back to Earth only to realize that there's like no one there's left to deploy it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So let's talk about our favorite lines. Yes, please. What was your favorite line? <laughs> uh, my favorite line, which I claimed it like as soon as it was spoken on. <laughs> yeah, she's like, screen. this is my favorite line. I was like, it's okay. I'm not arguing. <laughs> was life should be about more than just surviving because, you know, I love the um, the circle here that we get of Clark teaching this to Lexa and then Lexa coming back and reminding her of her own lesson. There's just something so brilliant about yeah the whole it's the thing. circle of life it's the circle of life it's gorgeous um and then my favorite line was of course when maddie or when clark was telling maddie all this time you thought i was keeping you alive but it was you who saved me and again i just desperately needed this insight into clark's psychology this season and i love love the way that she loves maddie mm -hmm. and i love the way that she talks about loving maddie and it's beautiful and brilliant um yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, it made my heart clench. So for favorite scene, um, we're going to break down the the big scene and just talk about our different parts because we have different favorite parts of that yeah. scene. But overall, we had the same favorite In scene. general, like that whole thing from Echo to like Echo and Maddie leaving, that yeah, whole thing that was whole amazing. that whole bit in, um, in the church, mm -hmm. basically, was great. So what was your favorite part of that scene? My favorite part of that scene was really overwhelmingly um, Maddie and Clark's discussion um, and incorporating what Lexa was trying to teach Clark through that. I, I loved how the writers brought back Lexa in that specific way. Um, I do think in some way it gives Clark a little more closure because Lexa very clearly wants Clark to be happy and to live a happy life. And she's saying like, you're not going to be happy. You're going to hate yourself if you do this. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I like that. I like that Lexa's still watching over her in some way. And it's yeah, just, it's lovely. It's beautiful. And then my, my favorite part of that scene um, was Maddie and Clark talking about each other and talk, telling each other how much they loved each other and then Clark ultimately learning how to let go of Maddie and letting her fly mm -hmm. was needed and beautiful and sad and everything and I loved it <laughs> and then also a very special shout out, shout out um, our second favorite <laughs> scene for both of us yes. was, was Vincent and Kane <laughs> <laughs> I loved that scene so much I loved it so much like, I've like thought about that scene and him like dragging Kane like, yeah. <laughs> so many times over the last few days. I've just been like, oh my God, I'm going to watch that again. It was so <laughs> satisfying to me. Whew. So our next episode preview is our last episode, episode 513, Damocles part two. In this episode, Clark and her friends must risk, must risk everything to fight one last battle for survival, only to glimpse an even darker threat to the last living valley on earth. 
Dun, dun, dun. So if you've seen the promo, um, we're going to spoil the promo. If you haven't, turn us off now. This is the end of our episode. Um, if you're still here, in the promo, I think they give a pretty big spoiler. It makes it clear that McCreary is going to destroy Eden with um, the Damocles weapon. If I can't have this valley, no one can. I literally said that a few episodes ago it's as a true. joke. We have it on the podcast. As a joke. And yet... That is what they're choosing to say. I'm, I'm curious how that's going to play out. Super cheesy. In scene. Uh, maybe he's like joking, but like also for real. Um, but anyway, so McCreary is going to destroy Eden. At this point, the cryopods are inevitable, guys. We are getting in those damn cryopods. Yeah. There's no other options. Um, so my question is threefold. First, are we going to go to a new planet or are we going to wait for Earth to regrow itself? Good question. Don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. I could go either way. My my like my deepest heart of hearts wants to go to a new planet, but I could also see, you know, if if they have to re-terraform Earth, it basically is a new planet. Right. Um, and also I like that as like an echo of like the start of season 1 yeah. as well. Agreed because it's like base it's like a new planet but not, but you know, it's, not. It's, it's still Earth. Um the next question is, how long will our heroes be in hypersleep? I feel like they have to be in hypersleep for like at least 100 years. I think at least 100 years. I don't understand the point of being in hypersleep if you're not going to do like 100 years. I don't believe they could re-terraform Earth in less than 100 years. I don't really believe and they I could terraform it in 100 years. And I don't believe that if they're going years. to another planet that they could get there in less than 100 years. Well, that too. So either way, I would say at least 100 years, but like crazy thinking here like what if it's like a thousand okay okay it I'm could not... actually wait i have to take it back because um allegis 3 got to the other planet in less than 100 years actually not rewinding that because we they... don't know how long it took them to get there well we know that it wasn't 100 years because we know um kind of when allegis was starting off and when becca was like helping them develop the nightblood solution how long and that was for them... them to get to the allegis 3 planet with two sons mm. so it couldn't have taken them that long all right. And the reason that it took um, the Allegis four people so long to get back is because they damaged their, um, what what do they call it, the the fast, the warp drive. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the non-Star Trek version of their warp drive is. Yeah. So I guess they have technology to get around really fast. Okay. But I still think, like, if, if we are staying at Earth and they have to re-terraform it, it's got to take at least 100 years. Yeah, I agree. Probably more. Um, and then my last question is, who is Shannon Cook going to play? Because we've heard a lot about him, and I've been really excited to meet him because his character has been shrouded in mystery. Well, I feel like, I mean, like, you and I have talked about this, yeah. and I think, we think it's Monty and Harper's child yeah. or descendant. I think I, I think it's their child's, um, and I love that idea. We do think that either Harper and Maddie are going, or Harper and uh, Monty are going to stay on Earth and, like, terraform it from the ground, or they're going to, like, stay awake when everyone else goes into cryosleep so they can, you know, because they just want to live a quiet life. They don't want also, to deal like, with people. And also, like, they need someone to watch over them or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, the real, like, the reason, quote, unquote, is going to be because they need someone to watch over them in right. hypersleep. But really, like, they're at peace. Yeah. They just want to, you know, live, live a life. quiet life aboard a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited to see what this is yeah. all about. So only a few more days until we find out. Oh, my God, guys. We're caught up. We caught up. <laughs> oh, I didn't think we could do it. I didn't know if we could do it either. It was really, really, 
really tricky there yeah. for a while. Um, but that is our episode. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can. You can email us at skycastcrew at gmail.com. That's S-K-A-I-C-A-S-T-K-R-U at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at skycast, and you can tweet at us at our own Twitter accounts. I am at bperlman89. And I'm at Sarah R. McCabe. And with that, we are all caught up. Thank you, as always, for joining us on SkyCast. We will be on time for the Season 5 finale next week. See you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.